Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another action-packed episode of the MMA Archive. I am Christopher Negron, your host, as always, here to cover UFC 10. Um, exciting times. It's still 1996. As you know, we're inching ever closer to the year I was born, as well as the year in which we'll get a little bit of variety to this show. But right now, it's the UFC show, damn it. And this one does not disappoint. I know I say that every week. I just feel like there's a real natural build to these things. And there's a real theme to this card. So I'm excited uh, to jump right into it. So let's get down to the particulars, my friends. This is UFC 10 with the most original name you have ever heard of. The tournament. Yes, the tournament format is back. After everyone hated UFC 9, rightfully so, with the way a lot of those fights turned out. But UFC 10 is back with the tournament on July 12th, 1996, from the Fairgrounds Arena in Birmingham, Alabama, the great US of A. As always, our TV announcers are Bruce Beck, Don Wilson, and Jeff Blatnick. But our ring announcer for the first time the great, the powerful Bruce Buffer made his UFC debut in this one. He looks so young. Um, it's time has not debuted yet, um, but he's doing his thing, man. Shout out to Brucey. He's looking, looking like a young um, Pepe Le Pew. Still got some black, black hair mixed in with a little bit of gray. Um, so, so weird to see him um, so long ago doing the damn thing. Um, him and Big John look like they're in their 20s, dude. <laughs> but this card, man, this card. Should we just jump right into it? Is that, is that what time it is already? Um, I think so. Why not? Um, our first bout of the night, alternate bouts, as always, between Giza Cowman and Diaisel Berto. Giza made his UFC debut at UFC number seven, also in an alternate bout where he lost to Joel Sutton via cut stoppage. Um, but in this one, looking to, looking to get a win, looking to get a win in this one. Um, unfortunately, as always with these alternate bouts, I wasn't able to find any footage, uh, but Giza Kalman was able to get the win via TKO punches at 557. Sucks that these still have no footage. I'm hoping later on in the events we don't have this issue. Um, but let's move right on. Next up, Sam Atkins versus Felix Mitchell. Sam Atkins made his UFC debut at UFC 8, winning a bout um, against Keith Maielke. But he also stepped in on late notice to face Don Fry, where he ended up losing via cut stoppage. So he is 1-1 one one in the UFC. Facing off against Felix Mitchell, who was 0-1 in the UFC after stepping in on short notice way back when um, against Ken Shamrock and was rear naked choked at UFC 3 after he replaced Keith Hackney, um, who had injured his hand, taking out the giant that was Emmanuel Yarborough. So Sam Atkins win wins this one via unanimous decision. But once again, I'm sorry, you guys, there's no footage. So there's not much to talk about there. We can move right on to the fun stuff. So this is the first tournament bout, obviously quarterfinals between Mark Hall, a familiar name if you've been watching this show, um, who stands at six foot eight. I mean, no, sorry, six foot, 189 pounds, going up against Don Fry, who's standing at six one, two fourteen. Mark Hall is three and one in the UFC coming off a TKO after he broke Koji Katao's nose at UFC nine and Don Fry is four and in the UFC coming off that fight of the night performance donned by none other than myself um, against Omri Batets, Batetti, however you say it at UFC number um, at UFC number 10. So, UFC 8, Don Fry was able to become the tournament champion. So we got a returning champ here. Um, fun stuff, for sure. The last tournament that took place. So he's defending the crown. You know what I mean? Um, 
so let's get right into it, man. Mark Hall opened up this one with a nice turning sidekick to the body. The technique was on point, but it, it was a little slow. <laughs> a little slow. So Fry was able to catch that leg. Um, didn't lead to a takedown, though, as Mark immediately sort of regained his footing. And then from there, Fry grabbed the body lock takedown and slammed him onto the mat into half guard really hard. Uh, you heard the sort of reverberations throughout the arena. Um, and then Fry was able to frame with his elbow across Hall's chin, really getting him to look all the way in the other direction. That's how you know someone got a really nice frame because uh, they're forced to, to, to sort of be pinned down in that position. Um, and when they're looking all the way across the shoulder like that, that that's some heavy pressure. Um, so he poshes up and just starts landing hammers to the body. Don Fry is a nasty dude, man. Um, Hall did a good job trying to retain his guard and then elevate with butterfly hooks, uh, which eventually forced Fry to sort of stack his guard. And that gave him a chance to get back to full guard. Uh, so working, working his defense a little bit. Um, Fry kept high hips, though kept punching Hall's body after a while commentary pointed it out too. you know Hall had these big welts on the right side of his body uh, just from eating those body shots and you could tell it was landing flush um, but Mark Hall was doing a good job you know even though he's getting cooked on top to sort of retaining his guard trying not to give up position um, and trying to get up but instead, no, sorry, not trying to get up. He was just sort of holding on to Fry, hoping that Big John would separate them. But Fry kept working, especially with those shots to the body. Eventually, Fry was able to push him up against the fence while he's still on top, um, postured up, and just sort of started landing big punches there against the fence. And it was funny. At one point, he gave him the old Khabib. He looked him right in the eyes. He's like, you need to quit. And um, Hall, you could hear him yell, like, defiantly. He's like, no, I can't. And then Fry responds, you can, <laughs> which I found hilarious. Um, just just real persistent, you know what I mean? Not, not giving him an inch and staying in that top position, landing shots, staying busy. Um, he eventually makes an opening for a big headbutt, and that forces Big John to stop it at 10 minutes and 21 seconds. I initially thought it was a bad stoppage, but as soon as Mark Hall stood up, he had a real tough time sort of staying on his feet. And that that's how you know uh, Big John definitely made the right call. Uh, so once again, this one ended at 10 minutes, 21 seconds, a longer bout, but not really much happening in the way of position changes or anything like that. Just sort of a constant, consistent beat down on the ground by Don Fry. Um, and I think that starts off uh, a nice trend that we're going to see for the rest of the night of ground and pound. Um, guys keep going for the takedown, holding, holding their opponent down on top and just landing shots. Not, not, nothing crazy, not no big flurries, just consistent pressure. And it just saps the life out of these guys. And, and we'll see a little bit more of that coming up. So next up, Scott Fielder, Fiedler. Hope I'm saying that right. Standing at six foot four, 235 pounds, comes up against Brian Johnston, 6'4, 222. Um, both guys making their UFC debut. Uh, Fiedler has what I call the shittiest haircut in UFC history up to this point. He's bald up top. Hey, listen, I'm in that camp too. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't say that I, I got a luscious head of hair. The hat's on for a reason. You know what I'm saying? But his whole hair is bald all the way up to, to the back of his head. But on the back, he has a braid going down the back like a mullet that, that was braided to prevent from being all over his face like during the match. Criminal. Criminal stuff here, man. They, like Elsa said, let it go. Let it go. My girl tells me all the time, too. It's about time I start getting the baldies as well because... It's it is that time, my friends. Hey, guy like me wins uh, best best hair in high school. You want to try to hold on as long as you can. But Fiedler, I don't know what you're doing, boss. Let, let it go, my mans. <laughs> so Johnston has uh, a really weird poker face. He kind of looks like he wants to die. Like he he's he looks scared, uh, but also is like trying to put on a front and look mean, uh, which I found pretty funny. 
Johnston's a California Golden Gloves champ, which is not bad accolade at all. Uh, both start out this bout standing and orthodox. Scott opens up with a leg kick that sort of brings them closer together. And from there, Scott tries to grab a body lock clinch. Um, as they clash together, Johnston did a really good job sort of shifting his hips and landing a big throw takedown, obviously a judo throw. Um, really nice technique, but he landed uh, really up high, so he wasn't able to maintain top position. Um, Scott just sort of scrambled back to his feet, and in the scramble, Brian tried to catch him with a nice uh, knee. It was really close, really quick as well. Um, which made me excited. I'm like, this guy's good. Like, he's fast, he's agile, and he's well-built. Like, you got to watch out for Brian Johnston. This guy's trying to take your fucking head off. Um, Scott grabbed a single and starts to lift it, uh, but Brian made it made him pay by landing some big shots to the head. Won't be the last time we see that today either. Um, Scott tries to drive through on that takedown, but once again, Brian holds his ground and shifts his hip again. Um, to try to go for that big throw again. He ends up missing on the first attempt, um, but gets that nice sort of um, judo throw takedown on the second and ends up spiking sort of landing on landing on his own head um, in the transition, which I found pretty funny. Um, they ended up scrambling, and Brian ends up in the perfect spot to sort of attack a knee bar. He has the, the leg extended underneath himself and is sort of wrenching on it. Um, but he eventually loses the grip as Scott rolls through with him. Um, Brian finds himself on top, obviously now uh, just facing while, while Scott is facing towards the cage. Um, and he sort of pushes him into the cage, um, but with with his back. So he's he's facing um, after going for that leg lock. Uh, Brian's facing um, the center of the octagon. And then his opponent's behind him, and he's pushing him back. Uh, it's just a really weird position. I had to mention that. Um, but. Sorry. Sorry about that, you guys. Eventually, uh, Scott is able to grab a hold of Brian's back. Uh, Brian ends up belling over to try to fight the neck crank. Uh, Scott does a good job just maintaining back position, riding it out, trying to flatten him out. Um, but he starts landing short shots from on top, but he ends up puts himself really up high on that back mount. And obviously that's not where you want to be. He's trying hard to keep him flat, uh, but he is eventually Brian's able to, to sneak out the back door between his legs and end up in side control on top, um, which th this was a key point in the bout because Scott had a great position, and as soon as it got reversed, you could see he just all the air went out of him. Like he he thought he had it in that moment, and as soon as the adversity came back, he was deflated. And you see, instead of trying to scramble up, he just sort of lays down and let Brian get right back on top into side control. And that's the last thing you want to do. Um, Brian ends up landing a big punch that lets him move over into the full mount. And then Scott bellied out, but Brian didn't care. He flattens him out badly. Like you could see as soon as his hips hip hit the mat, sorry, his hips hit the mat, uh, they sort of bounced. So both of them. So you know that was a that was a hard uh flattening out right there. And um starts working with hard shots to the head that forces Big John to stop the fight at two minutes and twenty-five seconds. Second ground and pound TKO of the night and a big debut for Brian Johnston, man. This guy came in with the All-American shorts, looking like looking like a serial killer. I'm going to be real with the baldy and um, shredded like he he looks like an athlete. Like that's something that I feel like isn't always the case in these events. Um, but Brian Johnston. You could tell he, he was ready for this and the performance spoke for itself. Now this one, this is a big one. I was, I was shook when I realized like, oh man, we're, we're getting up to this point in the UFC. Mark Coleman, the hammer makes his UFC debut. He stands at 6'1", 245 pounds. I'm jacking that stat is a lie. Cause this dude looks huge, like bigger than Ken Shamrock ever looked 
bigger than um, Dan Severn. Like, this dude looks huge and jacked. Like, not, like, big and a little thick, <laughs> like um, Tank Abbott. Like, no, this man has pecs. He has a freaking six-pack. Like, how are you... T- 250 plus with a freaking six pack like you're you're on some of the sauce like at least some of it you know what i mean i I don't know about all of it but some of it this dude is jacked and and you should be afraid like i i would if i got the call i wouldn't want to fight this guy like out of everyone in this tournament there's some unassuming guys there's some guys that are well built this dude looks like baby Brock Lesnar. Like this dude is huge. Look up a photo, please. I encourage all of you. Mark Coleman at any point of his career looks like this, but look at this debut photos. This guy is a freaking tank. Um, obviously 1988 NCAA national champion in wrestling out of Ohio state. Um, just, just a monster. Uh, don't want to be the guy fighting him, especially my UFC debut. Um, but that that lucky fellow is one Moti Horenstein, who stands at six foot two, 230 pounds. Uh, commentary made a funny joke saying that he looks uh, like John Claude Van Damme, which I kind of agree with. Sneaky looks like him a little bit. Definitely much bigger, though. Um, so he's not too outsized, but anyone in this tournament is going to be outsized by Mark Coleman. So both of these guys come out in orthodox. But Coleman takes a real big back step. And you can see this is this is what he wants to do. Um, he wants to sort of force people in, get guys rushing at him, and then counter with takedowns because uh, he's just walking backwards entirely. Um, he ends up switching to southpaw, and you can see that's where he wants to shoot from uh, with that right leg forward. Um, and <laughs> literally just has Moti following him, not like motion him on, but he has him following him as he's circling the cage and then just ducks right in for a takedown um, as Moti ended up going for a front kick, uh, which I found pretty interesting because obviously Coleman keeps his head low, so I guess it could be effective, but Coleman ducks right under it for the takedown. Uh, Moti's able to hold his balance for a second and starts to attack uh, Guillotine, but Coleman just shakes him off and pulls him down on the ground and ends up right in full mount like it was it was a wild transition because it didn't look like a big high amplitude takedown um but entirely controlled the entire way down uh, which is hard to do when someone has obviously you're working against gravity here this guy's falling um but he's able to hold them in that position the entire time and as soon as they get to the ground coleman just batters him he's swinging hard with both hands hurting Moti as he tries to keep his hips high, keep his head tucked and try to avoid damage as best as possible. But Coleman's in a great position to to land shots because he has his knees up high, sort of by the shoulders almost. And if once you're up that high and mount, it's very hard to get out. Um, You want to have their knees as close to your hips as possible because that's how you could push off with the one of your elbows uh, to try to regain that half guard position. But he was so high up that I didn't see him ever getting out of that position. Um, but just tagging him, short shots, you could hear the steam on him. Um, you could hear the thudding through the canvas. Uh, sickening stuff, man. This dude is a monster, I'm telling you. Um, eventually, Moti sits up and tries to wrap up Coleman's head again, sort of for that guillotine position. Coleman allows him, actually, and I found this hilarious because I've never seen something like this. He lets him, puts his, basically hold his head. He he holds his neck high and then wraps, so he's in full mount. He walks his feet over, like this way, into side control. (laughs) It was the most wild thing I've ever seen, like, just a weird position, and then the way he bowed out, it almost looked like I don't even know, just sidestepping, like walking across um, right into side control. Really good work. And you can see he likes to work from there. Excuse me. Um, I found it interesting, though, instead of uh, working from that position directly to sort of get a finish, he puts his leg into half guard and clamps down. You can see there's a real tight 
um, connection there, keeping Moti against the cage and just starts to mug him once again. He postures up and lands two huge right hands that forced Moti to literally cover his face <laughs> just like that. And once he did that, uh, Big John stopped the fight at two minutes and 43 seconds. Another brutal ground and pound KO coming tonight. And this is the this is the evolution of the sport, man. Early on, we're playing jujitsu. We're trying to figure out, especially you see this, in my opinion, now where defensively the, the goal is not to get up because everyone now thinks they're hoist crazy. Um, the goal is to get full guard. So the way people are sort of adapting to this is just, all right, I'm going to beat the shit out of you down here until it's done. And, and it's working. Um, three ground and pound TKOs in a row. Um, and once again, big theme for tonight's card. So great debut for Mark Coleman. Next up, we got another debut against a familiar face, John Campatella, standing in at six foot three. This is Cap. He looked like he was about the same height as, as Gary Goodrich. Coming in against Gary Goodrich, who Sorry, he's listed at 6'3", 263, facing off against Gary Goodrich, who's listed at 5'9". <clears throat> what just happened? There we go. 5'9", 235. John is making his UFC debut. Gary Goodrich is two and two in the UFC currently with his last bout coming in a loss against Mark Schultz at UFC nine. Both started off the fight in orthodox. John runs right across at Gary and faints a sidekick, which I found hilarious. Like who faints a Like I get it. If you faint a kick, you're trying to set something up. I get it. But he faints a side. Like who does that? Who faints a sidekick? And then what are you trying to get off of that? Like, you're way out of range to, to follow up with the shot. So what's the point? Like, are you just trying to gauge their reaction? I don't know. But uh, Gary hits him with a three-piece, landing a big uppercut on the, on the follow-up uh, that wobbled John. You could see, by the way, John is, he's stacked. Like, he's short, uh, but he's jacked. Like, you can see, he's on, he's on some sauce, too. Like, he is big. 261 was the biggest weight listed at this he doesn't look bigger than mark coleman <laughs> he does not but he's shorter for sure um but even girth wise he doesn't look bigger hey yo he does not look bigger than mark coleman but he's he's big <laughs> he's on the supplements you could tell um anyway after he got stunned with that three punch combination he ends up going in for a double leg takedown um, doesn't get it, but he's able to push Gary up to the fence and land a knee to the groin in classic uh, no-holds-barred fashion. <laughs> and then finally ducks for a nice fireman's carry takedown, um, which is basically it's got a little hard to visualize, but he ducks under sideways and grabs behind the, the uh, thigh and then just trucks him over uh, just like that, almost like a Imagine a Brock Lesnar F5, if that means anything to you guys, where you, you have him over your head and you sort of dump him. That's exactly what it was. And it gets Goodridge on the mat, but Gary's able to quickly sort of scramble back up to his feet. And then they end up in that single collar tie and just landing big shots, uppercuts with the left hand that really gets Gary's attention. Um, and you see uh, he starts working towards Gary's back. Gary Goodrich is holding onto the fence and he's sort of bracing for a takedown attempt, um, which is funny. You, you, he gets in this position a couple of times to, in, in these bouts, but um, he's holding onto the fence and sort of looking out of the fence and bracing for a takedown. And then John looks at him and realizes, oh yeah, like you're not even looking at me. So he just hits him with a huge right hand to the back of his ear and it's a well-placed shot, man. He's not looking. He might as well. Um, Gary sort of turns around, lands an elbow to the side of John's head as a response and eventually turns to face John. Um, John starts attacking the takedown again. Gary tries to set up a guillotine, but can't get anything out of it and ends up on the bottom keeping a tight grip on John from the bottom to try to get big John to 
um, stop it. And then eventually um, he's able to get a slick reversal on John where he lands on top, almost in full mount, sort of in three-quarter mount. Uh, but the big, big part about it is he, John, is right up against the fence um, on the opposite side. So he he's stuck. And Gary takes note and just starts landing nasty shovel uppercuts that land flush right to his chin on the ground. This was the most accurate ground and pound, if you ask me, out of all the finishes so far. Oh, sorry, spoiler. Um, but nasty shots right to the chin that you could tell dazed him bad. And um, it was about four, four follow-up shots, and eventually Big John had to stop it at one minute and 28 seconds. So the fastest quarterfinal finish from ground and pound once again, four in a row. Can you believe it? I mean, like I said, this is important to note. I feel like this is where the sport's headed. Even today, this is where the sport's headed because there's been a lot of striking specialists and a lot of guys that have an emphasis on stand-up striking. And I think guys like Khabib, Islam Mahachev, they're really sort of changing the game and re reinforcing just how important this is. And it's so crazy to see that this sort of happened years ago. We, we've known for years that this is a consistent pass, path to victory. Um, but even at the highest level now, it's still so relevant. So I think that's, that's really cool to watch. Next up, the returning champ, Don Fry, coming up against Brian Johnston. Don Fry is 6'1", 214. Brian Johnson, 6'4", 222. Um, I found this funny. They had uh, Tank Abbott on commentary for the semifinals. Um, th this one's going to be a fun one. The these guys are both in shape, ready to rock. Let's see what happens. Uh, so Fry comes straight across, shoots under a punch from Brian Johnston, and he's able to keep himself upright and land a nice knee. Uh, to Fry's body. So really working the body and does a really good job in the clinch in this fight, if you ask me. Um, and you could see from the first clinch exchange when he lands this knee, he separates off the clinch and he throws a big four-punch combo. Fry's able to roll with all of them. He didn't get hit by any of them. But you see the strategy. You know, he's trying to separate from this clinch and then land strikes, um, which is something to watch out for for Don Fry. Fry's pushing forward, trying to get to that clinch, and he does eventually getting Brian up against the fence, lands a beautiful knee to the body, as always. And then Fry picks up a leg to attack a single and then starts throwing rib roasters to the body uh, while Brian is keeping himself upright. And instead of sort of uh, trying to get to a better position to defend the takedown, Brian's like, you're going to punch me? I'm going to hit you back. And just starts hitting left hooks right over the top. So these guys are literally just punching each other. Fry's punching him in the body. Brian's punching him in the head. And if you're asking me, Fry's getting the worst of this exchange. Like, you, you don't want to be getting hit flush in the face like this. Um, and you can see he sort of stuns down Fry for a second. Uh, and Fry doesn't care, though. Continues to pull him into that clinch. And while he stays on the edge, um, and, and tries to pull himself out of it. So that's really the battle of this fight. Uh, who could get the clinch? And what are we doing in the clinch once we're separating? So Tank Abbott said at this point in the fight, he goes, if you don't know how to wrestle, you don't know how to fight, which I found hilarious because you don't think of that when you think of Tank Abbott. You think of the, the highlight finishes with the hands. Uh, but he's true. He's telling the truth, man. Um, and Johnson does a good job of fighting the takedown until eventually Fry is able to get up on top. Um, Fry starts landing big elbows from in close, generating a lot of force. And he eventually bridges and sneaks his way into side control. And literally, before he could even land um, more strikes from side control, Brian tapped out. Um, I think it was from the cut as well as just a sort of sustained, grueling fight. Um, but this one finished off at four minutes and 37 seconds, technically listed as a TKO. But if you ask me, this is another ground and pound finish <laughs> because, um, it was the strikes that got him to tap. It wasn't, uh, the position. So dude, five ground and <laughs> ground and pound TKOs in a row during this tournament. Uh, crazy. If you ask me next up, 
the final semifinal bout of the night. We got Mark Coleman, 6'1", 245, taking on Gary Goodridge, 6'3", 263. Big daddy. Coleman looks like the much bigger guy. Um, And I just realized they messed up in that fight between Gary Goodrich and John, they actually just switched their heights. So that's why I said that, because I'm like, this dude looks so much shorter. And I listed Gary Goodrich at five, five, nine. Meanwhile, uh, Gary Goodrich was the one that was supposed to be listed at six, three. So that that's the note for that one. Sorry about that. But for this bout, both men start off in orthodox and Gary immediately is on his heels running at Mark Coleman and trying to close that distance. Coleman has really good footwork on the outside. He's fleet afoot, just sort of retreating, retreating, and letting Gary chase him until once again, he finds that nice spot to grab that easy double leg takedown. Coleman's in Gary's guard, stacking him, and eventually starts punishing him with headbutts and short punches whenever he can, but doing a great job to maintain top position. Every time he landed, you hear that shit. Like, there's a difference between when these guys are landing even don fry's brutal body work against mark hall you heard that but these punches are sickening like the the punches that coleman lands on the ground um you could tell this man got a lot of power a lot of power because it it sounds like someone's (laughs) punching into a side of beef like really hard like you could tell um that that guy hits hard um after getting bombed on for a few, Gary Goodrich is able to get to his feet, uh, but eats a bunch of shots doing it, man. Um, Goodrich grabs the fence to sort of keep himself up, and Mark pins him up against it, starts kneeing um, Gary Goodrich to the back of the legs. And then instead of trying to uh, stay there and take these positions, he starts skirting along the fence. Like the only way I could describe it is like, He's, he's holding on to the fence this way. So he's looking out of the fence. Coleman is behind him, pushing him up against the fence. And he starts walking to the side and like pulling himself along the fence, like laterally. So he's not, he's not trying to like even let go of this position or get out of it. He's just moving around the octagon to prevent Coleman from landing those knees to the leg, which is pretty effective, but you're not going anywhere. Um, if anything, you're telegraphing exactly where you're going. And eventually, uh, Goodridge, I mean, Coleman is able to take advantage of that. And he starts timing the exits and punching um, right into the spot that Gary Goodridge is going into. So he's cracking him on the break as he keeps trying to circle around the cage. Um, but he eventually gets himself right in front of his corner. And I think that was the goal to try to, you know, get instruction from his corner. But what, you know, how, how much is it going to get you you when you got beat up to get to that point? You know what I mean? Um, But Mark Coleman starts landing some vicious uppercuts, dude. This man is looking out the fence, talking to his coaches and just getting hammered from underneath the shoulder, just big punches, right? And they're landing right on the chin. And um, this forces Gary Goodrich to turn around and face Mark Coleman again. He ends up reversing him onto the fence for a quick second. Um, And uh, Coleman breaks the clinch. And as soon as he does and they're back in space, Gary is just chasing, trying to land shots. Uh, Coleman does a great job once again, just staying calm, circling out baiting him in and gets the takedown once again consistent man this dude is doing the same thing over and over again and none of these guys realize it they're just like ah it's my time to get on them it's my time to get on them and as soon as they rush in just they end up getting put right on their back coleman works to the back position flattens out gary goodridge and you could see he was about a <laughs> he was about to hammer this dude into the dirt like just knuckle him into the ground Gary Goodrich didn't allow it to happen, though. He taps at seven minutes, knowing he was stuck and about to get hit with some bombs. So we got our final setup, baby. Another, I repeat, another ground and pound finish. I don't care that this is listed as a submission. This is a ground and pound finish um, from back mount, which is tough, dude, tough. That's a terrible position to get caught in. 
by someone that is that much bigger than you no thank you sir so our finals man this this finals matchup honestly i'm not gonna lie i cannot remember a time where i was watching these events where i anticipated a fight more than this one like as soon as i saw mark coleman fight it's like damn i gotta see that dude against don fry and the fact that it happens in the finals uh just so hype, so hyped to see how this one plays out. In my opinion, up to this point, more so than guys like Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn, I think Don Fry is the most complete fighter in the UFC at this point. And he's fighting this dynamic newcomer in the finals. Like you can't ask for more from your tournament champion last time out. So both men come out in orthodox, uh, but Fry switches to Southpaw. You can see pressuring forward, but remaining measured because he doesn't want to make the same mistake as the guys before him. Fry throws a nice jab, but Coleman ducks immediately right under it to shoot. Fry sprawls beautifully and gets um, Coleman locked up in that front headlock position. And this was beautiful. I have, I've, this is a true wrestling move because I can't remember seeing this ever. Um, Fry's on top in that front headlock position, wrapping up Coleman's neck. And Mark Coleman just does this maneuver where he shucks out and then barrels over and lands on top of Fry. And now he is basically in um, top position while Don Fry's end up sort of in a turtle position, which is where you're on your, your elbows and your knees on all fours facing down on the mat. Crazy. Crazy amount of strength and agility to, to pull that off. I was like, that was crazy. Um and he grabs onto that shin, uh, Don Fry's shin, that is, to stay on top and sort of keep him stacked underneath him. But Coleman can't really get much going because Don Fry is keeping everything, his arms, his legs, close to his body so he can't get punched. Um, eventually, Don Fry ends up turning to his back, and that's when Coleman takes top position in his guard. Coleman starts landing big right hands to try to open up the guard. Fry eats those up, um, but you can see those shits is hurting. So he 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 decides to get some separation with his knees, you know, trying to keep um, Coleman off of him a little bit. And you could hear the shots that were landing right here. Once again, big shots, like slapping across Don Fry's face that eventually opened a big cut underneath his right eye, um, which there was already a, a, swole, a swollen mark there from his last fight against brian johnston uh so that was just taking advantage of previous damage for sure um eventually fry is able to clear coleman's hips could have got up but it looked like he tried to grab an arm bar instead and then coleman is back in sort of dominant position inside control and then I found this hilarious. Uh, Coleman ended up going for like a, a scarf hold choke, uh, which is where you get off to the side and side control and you're pulling on the neck, grabbing the arm, trying to get that, trying to close off the airways. And <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry about that, you guys. Fry grabs onto the fence and uses it to pull himself up and out of the position. I've never seen nothing like that before. Obviously, you can't grab the fence now, so this is probably why I don't see it. Um, but literally took himself out of the submission just by pulling himself up in that way. Um, and then they both look at each other, and they agree, like, you know what? We're on our feet now. Let's take a second. <laughs> and both of these guys... They look tired as hell. They're looking at each other. They're bent over at the knees, uh, fixing their knee pads. But really, that's that's trying to suck in wind. You know, you, we've all been there uh, after a tough practice or whatever, where your hands on your knees just—that's <sighs> how they both look. Um, my thinking here is, you know, Coleman is exhausted, like, and he's the much bigger guy. Try to stay agile. Try to stay backing up if anything but throw some jabs here you know you're not committing too much but get him to react force him to try to take a bad takedown and really work because he's tired man like you got to take advantage of that against a bigger guy like that um and 
he it sounded it felt like he was listening to me because he starts jabbing up to the body and then he swings up for a big left hook but once again you know coleman's quick he's agile for a guy that size and every time that that left hook comes in he's ducking right under it so he ducks underneath and gets a smooth double leg putting Don Fry right up against the fence again, which I thought was really smart of him. Um, he could have, because the way he he grabbed the double leg, he could have drove into the middle of the, the cage and took him down in the middle of the cage, but he wanted to use that fence for control, which I thought was, was really smart. And in the transition, he lands Mark Coleman, that is a really nasty knee to, to Don Fry's chin. Um, which I know must have hurt because this man is huge. You know what I mean? That that position was crazy. And the fact that Don Fry fought on from that, nuts. For a second, he ends up sort of getting, not really getting his back, but he has him stacked up against the fence and um, Don Fry's facing the mat. sort of in that turtle position again. Coleman thought about going for a choke, um, but ended up just staying on top, landing short strikes. Um, and then he ends up getting a big elbow across the face, and that forces Big John to separate them. Now, I thought it might have been um, a stoppage. Like, I thought it was a, uh, a stoppage because of how flush that elbow landed, but no, he just wanted a... Uh, to clean off Don Fry's uh, cut. And then he tells him, he, he grabs him after he's wiping his face. He goes, you got to show me something, son. You understand me? And then Fry responds, yes, sir. And I was like, damn, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. Because <laughs> you don't get that courtesy from the refs nowadays. You know, like, uh, he could have stopped it there and it would have been fine, if you ask me. Um, but once again, they're on the feet, which I find so dumb. If you're going to separate the position put them back in the position that they were in before you separated it. If anything, this gave Fry a, a big chance, if you ask me, to get back into the fight. Um, and on the feet, he's looking for that left hook again, man. And I'm like, no, just throw the jab. Um, but Coleman's able to duck under that left hook. Fry sprawls beautifully. Um, so he ends up having Coleman in that sort of front headlock position. Uh, it looks like Don Fry's trying to attack a double leg of his own. I'm thinking, why? Why are you doing this? Um, Fry sprawls, and then Coleman just starts hammering him to the back of the head with strikes. Fry is holding on to his leg for dear life. Coleman just circles, which I found beautiful. He was attacking a, a takedown. Imagine he's on the leg. He has both hands clasped beautifully. And Coleman just starts circling to the left, circling, circling, until he ends up literally, once again, on his back in that turtle position. Uh, beautiful job for Coleman, just positionally staying aware, keeping himself safe in the takedown, and putting himself in the dominant position to land strikes. Um, Fry grabs two-on-one control on a wrist, which I found beautiful, and is able to pull himself into half guard on top. That blew my head up, because I was like, he didn't even, he wasn't even in back control. Like he wasn't trying to hunt for a choke. He didn't have the hooks in on the back, but he was riding in that turtle position once again. And he was able to do that two on one baseball back grip. That's what they call it. Uh, where you're, where someone's trying to choke you. Typically you grab two of your hands onto their one arm, and then you want to sort of wrench it over yourself so that you could try to get off of that back mount. And that's exactly what Fry did, landing up right on top into half guard. And I'm like, this is interesting. You know, Coleman's tired as hell. So this is time. Um, Coleman ends up scrambling and bellying out into Turtle himself. So Fry's on top now in the front headlock, and he starts standing up to try to separate, which I thought was the right move until Mark Coleman just drives up, lifts him up off his feet into a double leg, and Fry grabs the cage to prevent himself from being slammed, which I thought was really smart. Um, he almost could have, if he drove a certain way, he could have been thrown out of the cage, to be honest, um, but Mark Coleman didn't. He, he let him actually land on his feet, and as soon as Fry's feet touch the ground, Coleman times a beautiful overhand right and cracks him again. 
And I'm like, dude, like this is this dude hits hard and he hits opportunistically, whether it was the uppercuts against Gary Goodridge or following him as he's trying to exit and cracking him on the uh, on the on the angle. Just be- beautiful job of finding these strikes for a guy that isn't a striker. Um, he just has a really good understanding of angles from his time as a wrestler, which I found really fascinating, man. This is a new breed, uh, a new kind of guy to look out for, for sure. Um, but <clears throat> Coleman's throwing combinations now. Uh, he landed an uppercut left hook. Somehow Fry is still on his feet, but... He gets taken down, and this one looked like it was in slow motion. Like, both of these guys are tired as hell but at this point. Uh, Coleman works his way into side control, starts landing some short knees to the head. They weren't damaging too much because there weren't much torque on them, but still, you don't, nobody wants to get kneed in the head, dude. Like, that, I don't care. I don't care if they look soft. Th- those shits, I know, hurt. Um, Coleman, once again, um, just sort of finds the right angle um fry keeps throwing his legs up to try to attack for a triangle choke um but it doesn't look like he is too aware of what to do from there like he's just trying to kick off really and get down um and get mark coleman sorry i was about to say don fry off of him um but he's not able to man and coleman just starts landing bombs once again lands a nasty headbutt that forces Big John to stop the fight at 11 minutes and 34 seconds. Just an amazing win for Mark Coleman. And we got a new tournament champion, you guys. Can't believe it. Um, this, This fight was really awesome. Like, I'm telling you guys right now, I didn't even lock it in yet, but I'm gonna lock it in right now. This is my fight of the night, man. Um, Don Fry versus Mark Coleman. This is my fight of the night. This fight was awesome. It was back and forth. There was, even though Don Fry didn't have too many moments in this one, he was never outclassed and he was always in it, always working, trying to get to better positions. Just a great fight, man. Great showcase by both guys and really scary. Like, who's going to beat this guy? Like, I know we've been here before where we're asking this about Hoist or we're asking this about Dan Severn. But really, like, who, who's going to beat this dude? Because this dude's a dominant wrestler, more dominant, if you ask me, than Dan Severn. And he he's finding these opportunities to put the hands on these dudes. Like, this guy is a problem. Like, remember that name, because Mark Coleman is a monster. Like, I'm excited. This, this shit is crazy. Like, I, this shit is crazy. But it's only right. We got to go through the rest of our awards. I got performance of the night up next. Let me see. Who should I give that to? It's a fun one. That is a fun one indeed. Performance of the night. Hmm. Now, this may be surprising to you guys, but I think I got to. I'm giving this one to Gary Goodrich um, in his fight against John Campatella. I think this he showed really everything, like striking on the outside, takedown defense, scrambles on the bottom to get yourself in a proper position on top. Um, grit heart because he he wasn't in there winning the whole time you know he got taken down took some lumps uh but showed his overall well-rounded game my performance of the night goes to gary goodrich against john campatella so next up ko of the night man there's so many there there was no submissions on this one i don't care that they there's two submissions officially um there was no submissions on all of these were due to ground and pound um, so who do I give my KO of the night to, man? Who do I give it to? Hmm. Uh, 
think I got to give it to Mark Coleman, man. I got to give it to Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman versus Moti H something or the other. I can't, I can't remember how to spell his last name. Um, let me see. Let me see. Horenstein. Horenstein. There we go. Um, the reason why is just because the, the final shots that ended it were disgusting, man. And literally got him to just cover his face. Like he didn't want anything to do with those shots anymore and sickening stuff there. So that's my KO of the night. Submission of the night does not exist, sadly. So let me switch this up. Make another KO of the night. Second KO of the night. Due to no submissions. Second KO of the night. Who do I give it to? The runner up. I'm going to say Don Fry versus Mark Hall. And that's probably surprising. You know, that, that fight took 10 minutes. But I thought it was dominant. And he battered him to the body eventually working that way up to the top and landing those same brutal strikes up top. It's a complete performance uh, battle as well. Like this wasn't a one-sided fight. He really had to earn it. And that, that's why he gets my second knockout of the night. And that's all folks. Um, I had a fun time watching this card, man. I did not expect the rise of Mark Coleman to be that scary frankly it's scary shit man i'm worried about whoever has to face this man because he is a problem um i say that as respectfully and as um excited as possible i don't mean that in a disrespectful way but this dude is just on another level so i'm looking forward to see how the ufc matches him up and tries to take advantage of his newfound star power because in my opinion don fry was their biggest star coming into this event not like name recognition wise, but sort of this guy has it all. And he was able to make it to the finals again, but ended up just getting beat. If you ask me, I feel like that's not a fight that he can't win. Like they could rematch at some point and with a better strategy, he might be able to tire out um, Mark Coleman and get the win. But that, that's just how this first crack went. He wasn't able to, to make it happen. And man th this was a fun event like all ground and pound finishes how many fights was this the fights that i've watched at least seven fights all ground and pound finishes this is the way we're headed folks uh guys like khabib are dominant for a reason and ground and pound in my opinion is still uh something to watch out for for a lot of these guys but that's all i got for you folks thank you so much for showing up once again to check out what we got going on here at the MMA archive. I appreciate everything you guys do. I know just how long these episodes are as well. And, you know, this is dated content. So thank you for showing up. Thank you for supporting. Uh, you guys can follow me at Negron MMA on Twitter, as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram check out my pages let me know what you guys are thinking we got some nice bets as well i do daily bets now uh with the sideline guys so check out all of that good stuff uh, my cat just walked in how inconsiderate of him i'm doing a podcast buddy but anyway um thank you so much for listening i'll check i'll catch you guys on the next one which will most likely be another ufc event looking forward to see how that one plays out all right, you guys, have a good one. Peace.